0: Alright everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran.
1: And I'm the Virgin.
0: And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton.
1: Hey. This is a big episode. This is a big episode. Can you believe it? A hundred (laughs) books. Some people don't read a hundred books in their whole entire
0: lifetime. I know. And the thing is too, it's like we've read a ton of side books too. So in this past like two years that we've been doing this, We've probably read, I don't know, 200 books. A lot, anyway.
1: You mean stuff that wasn't romance or just...
0: Yeah. Well, I've continued to read romance. I sneak in romance as I'm reading romance for the podcast. So you cheat. It's fine.
1: We have an open relationship. I understand it.
0: Well, also, I have to find new books for the podcast. But also, the fun thing about having a romance novel podcast is that... You'd think like, oh, there's no need to procrastinate. But then the way you procrastinate is just by reading a different romance novel than the one you're supposed to be reading. And it's so stupid. But that's what ends up happening.
1: Yeah. I'll do that sometimes where I'll be supposed to be reading a book for the podcast and I'll be reading something else and it'll feel naughty.
0: (laughs) And Normally we don't read emails on this type of episode. This is normally just like straight book talk. Yeah. Yeah. Book talk. Um, but but one came through yesterday as I was making dinner, and I read it and I was like, oh, I gotta, we gotta add this to the podcast because it's very timely. So we are recording on Monday, May 10th. And so yesterday was Mother's Day. And so we got an email from Jen. And she says, uh, Clayton and Aaron, I've been listening to all of your back episodes while I get my garden ready for spring. Your podcast has been such a light this year. For Mother's Day, my 16-year-old buddy is reading Eyes of Silver with me, and we plan to listen... To your podcast episode together next week, while we get some of her night driving hours in, and then she goes on to talk about Clayton. Um, a, a few episodes ago, that, during the hating Game episode, uh, put out a call for good soap, and then so she gives a lot of good advice about soap. <laughs> so if anybody uh is interested in that, I'll maybe I'll post that in the troupe, the the video that she sent about how to make soap.
1: She she recommended a certain brand of soap too.
0: Yeah, so I'll just read this too. So she said, I listened to the hating game this morning and you mentioned soap and essential oils. I am obsessed with Osema, organic soap, the black... Clay facial soap is a wonderful face soap, and all of their body soaps smell so good and have really nice ingredients. Watching Osima's Instagram got me interested in soap making, so my husband and I gave it a try and made coffee mint and cedar orange soaps that are both lovely. We took a class from this local guy, but we have sent his video to friends who figured it out based on the video. So that's if you want to make your own soaps, too.
1: Well, I looked up that company, and... I'm going to order some soap. So
0: <laughs> thank yeah. you very
1: much. Yeah, I was very psyched when I. It's a little on the expensive side, but I'm not against buying something expensive if it's good.
0: Well, I think also if it's like this, if it's organic and if it's homemade and you're supporting like an independent person, like that's great. That it's, it's worth it to pay more, you know? You're getting better quality.
1: And a lot of those good soaps, they're maybe small but you can as long as you take care of them you can mm-hmm. get good usage out of them
0: yeah I love the idea of a coffee mint soap because co- caffeine is supposed to be really good for your skin too yes and mint I don't know I bet it just gives you a little zing in the morning
1: I've used mint soaps mm-hmm. and they are they are very invigorating
0: nice Um. And, but anyway so happy Mother's Day Jen Um. I'm, I'm happy that you got to to spend some time in your garden and then spend some time with your daughter um and yeah to to all the moms happy mother's day
1: that brings us to what book did we read for our hundredth book erin
0: we read eyes of silver eyes of gold by ellen o'connell and should we judge the cover
1: let's judge the cover yeah
0: her covers are all like this. It's all like a black silhouette against a landscape. It all it all looks like paper dolls always. I don't love the cover yes. necessarily. But also she is self-published. And I feel like self-published is like, listen, honey, whatever you got, uh, it's great. I mean, this one I don't like just also because they don't look like actual people. Like just something about the way that they're standing and everything. It, does, it looks like cardboard cutouts.
1: Yes, there's an uncanny valley sort of situation going on. So, we don't love the cover, but that doesn't really matter all that much.
0: It doesn't. But Clayton, what was the book about?
1: So, this book is about Cord Bennett and Anne Wells, who this book starts off with a bang. (laughs) So, Anne wakes up on Cord's property, and she covered she's she's totally soaking wet she wants to stay there for a while to warm up some people come and beat the hell out of cord so it's somebody that ann was supposed to marry and a whole group of people plus the priest who marries them the marriage is an assault basically Mm -hmm. so she gets married to cord And he's beat up really bad. She thinks he's dead. He doesn't die. She nurses him back to health and ends up staying. And they end up actually continuing to be married. And it is really just them dealing with each other's families and with each other to make the marriage work. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it, right? Right.
0: All right, Clay, what did you think of it?
1: so i went into this completely open-minded wanting to love it because (laughs) you love it so much and i'll be honest with you i didn't love it i didn't hate it but i didn't love it and i think it's because you know, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing with, with these books is going into something and reading it for what it is and not what you want it to be and not what you, you personally need at the time, right? Mm-hmm. This was way more angsty than I think I wanted at the moment. And that was more just like a personal thing because the, the way they're treated is, like, really brutal. This is a very brutal book. And it was kind of difficult to get through because of it. Because it was, like, unrelenting. Everybody hates him. Everybody's scared of him. You know, even his family Her family were so bad. Her his her dad was horrible a horrible person. The 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 book starts off with like a really, really tough assault on both of them. So I think I had I think that was my thing with it too. And then it was, I mean, and you warned me about this. It pretty much is them just kind of hanging out and starting to build a relationship. And it is like a lot of just farming. (laughs) <laughs> and of a lot of like let's go to church let's go to town let's let's have dinner with our family like those kind of things which i i i liked but i i guess i didn't i, I wasn't as absorbed in their life as i think you got
0: mm-hmm. i it's funny because like i've reread this book a lot and I feel like I always end up rereading from like halfway through or so and obviously for the podcast I read from the beginning mm-hmm. and like the beginning assault is brutal and really long to the yes. point where I was like maybe I just skip through this because like I do know what happens and I think that there is a thing with self-published authors with editing that I think had an editor stepped in, they might've been like, it's not necessary for it to be this brutal. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I I still really connected with the book and we've read other books that are like pretty much slice of life and I haven't connected with them or I find them really dull. And I don't know why with this one, I'm like, give me more. Cause there's like, she has additional scenes and stuff on her website and I've read all of those too. (laughs) Like, I and I guess as I was reading it, I was trying to think like, what is it about this book that like I love so much and I've connected with so much? Because I had a feeling you weren't going to. I think it's the, I think it's a very good showing of romance as far as like what it's supposed to do because it's Cord and Anne, and they're very different in that I guess, you know. Cord is half Cherokee and half white. He grows up completely separated from any Cherokee relatives. Um, so he sort of grows up in a, in a town where he's kind of the only person uh, who is Native American other than his sister, but his sister has left town and is trying to pass as white in like a different town. Mm-hmm. And... Um, And Anne, who is from this very, like, prosperous family and is supposed to be this specific person, but she also, like, doesn't fit in. And the way that they come together and don't try to change each other, they just, like, truly love each other for who the other person is. But in that, it allows each of them to change slightly. So that like, Annie, Anne's thing is that she has a very bad temper and she flies off the handle and she cu- jumps to conclusions and wants to like cut people off and never speak to people again. And Cord sort of just in her observing him and loving him, she softens in that way. And Cord is somebody who never wants to have to explain himself. You know, he's he's been through some tough things in his life. And so he's sort of like, well, people can believe whatever they want to believe. It's not my business, w- whatever. If people want to hate me, I'm fine with being lonely. I'm fine with like cutting everybody off. It's easier. But through him wanting to have an integrated into the society, integrated into the town in a way that he knows will ultimately make her happy, he slowly has to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And so, ultimately, that's kind of the story, is is how they do this for each other, and it ends up, obviously, a happy ending. And I think the thing with, like, a romance, it not only does it just end with, like, them together, and, like, from pretty early on, you realize they are going to stay together. Like, there's not a lot of stress about that relationship, necessarily, but that they also are able to create a community from being these ultimate outcasts to, of like, oh, pretty much being left for dead to then working their way back into the town. Um, I don't know, I just really love it as a story. I think that she, and you know, O'Connell has a very good, does a very good job of showing sort of everyday life in that time in a way that like makes it feel very real. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that as well, but
1: yeah, the, the beginning where she's nursing him back to health and then also nursing the horse back to health and keeping the farm running is cool. Cause it does show like just her abilities. And then when they are working together I love the, the scene where they're just doing stuff around the house and she's surprised that he doesn't make her just do the housework. You know, it's he doesn't care what needs to be done. He'll do it because he was living by himself. And mm-hmm. so he doesn't delineate what is man's work and woman's work. It's just work. And she really likes that about him. And they do start to love each other because this is such an interesting book in that the first time they have sex is a almost Mm non-event in such a way that i've never really seen in romance where he just puts it in and she's like oh i thought this was going to be horribly painful it's not that bad i can deal with this but then he gets upset when he realizes that she was a virgin Cause she had lived in Chicago and she had been engaged and he thought, Oh, well she definitely fucked. <laughs> and then, uh, he was like, I wouldn't have slammed into you if, if I knew that you were a virgin and she was like slammed into me. What is, you know, cause he is, he's, he speaks crudely sometimes when hmm. people offend her. He, he says he's in town. And what does he say to this woman? fucking a bitch. Oh, yeah, because
0: she's, like, she's pissed because the shopkeeper's helping Anne instead of her, and she's like, I can't believe you would you would help a woman who's, like, married to a Indian instead of good white people, and Cord walks in, and he's like, uh, even my mother's family knows better than to fuck a bitch. Like, they would leave you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was like, whoa. But, I mean, that j- just goes to show, like, that he's, I mean, he has crude language, he... He is, and that's part of, you know, his journey is to be less crude. I mean, I liked Court a lot. I totally get being isolated. Everybody feels different. Obviously, he has true, true reasons for being that way because he is shunned because, you know, of being half white, half Cherokee, that what happened to his sister is disturbing. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason why he went to jail or or he got locked up for a little bit because he almost killed some people that were assaulting his sister. And that caused her to move move out and try to be, you know, pass as white. And it, it is just like he's had a hard life. He's had a really tough, hard life. And to meet somebody like her and to be vulnerable because there's this scene where the, the sex was such a, a, a non-event really, but then their their first real passionate kiss was about halfway through the book. And they're in the barn and he lays her down in the hay and then she sees a spider and freaks out. And he immediately immediately is like, she doesn't love me. Trying to be truly intimate with her turned her off. And then she had to explain to him, no, it was a spider. And it was the spider the size of her fingernail (laughs) that freaked her out. But still, they they would get into these fights because that's like a vulnerability for him. Mm -hmm. He thought as soon as I really tried to like kiss her in a real way, then she would want to leave. He always thought she would want to leave. And she had to say to him, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm not leaving. This is for real. So I did that stuff did resonate with me. There's a level of brutality that I'm okay with in books, but when it gets to like, it's like they're under constant assault. Like she's constantly being assaulted. She gets kidnapped at the end, well near the end after they went to church. And then she's, she's getting roughed up by some people. It just felt very, very tense the whole time. But I mean, but that's part of the book. And that's also part of the time that they lived in.
0: Yeah, I think there was, like, a level of violence that you lived with at that time, too, just because it was, like, a it was a brutal time. And I think the thing, too, is, like, his family never coming to his aid and his mm-hmm. family always only believing the worst of him. Because yeah. he has three older siblings, one sister who isn't really in the book at all, and then one, and then his two brothers who just assume that, like they believe all the town gossip that he's keeping this woman against her will or that they keep like, there's a lot of racism in this book too, obviously. Yeah. And there's a lot of racism uh, like around cords, uh, ethnicity. And there's a lot of racism around stereotypes for native Americans. And Mm -hmm. it's always presented as bad. Like it's not like, upholding them in the way that I think there are other romance novels that do. And I think that there is an aspect of romance and sort of a reckoning or a conversation that needs to be had for sort of the, um, you know, Indian man, white woman books of like the eighties and nineties. But to put that aside, I don't think that this falls into a lot of the traps that those do. Um, But they they talk a lot about him like being unstoppable and being almost like superhuman and that he would just kill somebody he wouldn't be able to stop once he gets started fighting and all these things that are just like bananas because they don't help him Mm -hmm. or they don't believe him or they nobody takes the time to just like sit with him and like find out what happened. um And Yeah, the thing with the spider. Yeah, so they always just, like, it's funny because, you know, Anne was raised in this very, like, proper time and to be a lady and all this stuff. So, like, she's not supposed to enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. And so at night, they they just kind of, like, dry hump, make out most of the time. And then, like, you know, he... like they do have sex and she's like well I actually kind of enjoy it so she's ashamed because she's like I'm liking this more than I should and he's gonna think that I'm like a slut Mm -hmm. and he's like oh the only reason she puts up with it is because it's in the dark and if she actually had to like watch me as we had sex she would lose it and so that's the whole thing with the spider is just that he's like oh this is really how she feels in the dark and somehow she's able to hide it which is like a ridiculous thing to think because you couldn't hide screaming (laughs) Yeah, but then they do you know have sex and everything and it's all very romantic and stuff and the sex scenes are good I think
1: yeah yeah it's 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 just I mean it's one of those things they're learning to they're learning about each other there's there's Mm -hmm. large sections of this book where it's just them talking about their pasts in a Mm -hmm. way that you do with people that you are starting to date which the difference is they're married
0: (laughs) yeah the marriage comes first
1: and the marriage comes first, and then they go and get the papers, which mm-hmm. is really, which is a real uh, fun scene too, because it is like such a defiant act of going back and saying, "We want these papers," and the the preacher, that the, the yellow bellied preacher, <laughs> that that's the thing is, a lot of the townspeople, a lot of these people just seem so scuzzy. You know, it just seems like a a awful time and place to live.
0: And I think that's the thing of, you know, I think a lot of romance, but also like Hallmark movies and stuff. They really tend to idolize this idea of the small town and the small town and everyone's so friendly. Everybody's friends with each other. Everybody's great. And it's like, listen, I grew up in a small town. There were nice people. There were assholes. It was kind of like anywhere. And so this kind of shows that like this town, it's like, there are people they're friends with. Some people are really nice. A lot of people are assholes. They kind of just don't pay attention to the assholes, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't put the sheen over that life that it was something we should be going back to necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's very like, this was hard. This was violent. People were ignorant. People are still ignorant. Um, You know, and so I thought that was, I liked that aspect too. So out of the books, because the
1: Westerns that I've read, we've only read a few.
0: We read Forbidden. What else did we, we read Forbidden in this. And we read the... Texas Destiny.
1: Texas Destiny.
0: Hmm. We read three.
1: Yeah, so... Do you feel like, but you've read you've read a lot more westerns because that was what you started with yes. when you first started romance. Do you feel like a lot of those idealized the old west in a way that this book doesn't?
0: I well, this book has a lot more violence on the page than I think the books that we've read for the podcast. Um, and but there's a level of there's a level of violence that exists within westerns in general obviously that then exists i think within um i don't know more tradition like regencies or something like that for obvious reasons i think it was like a very tough time but uh, not necessarily that historical westerns idolize it but I think I'm thinking more of, like, contemporaries and stuff and the idolization of the hometown, of a small town. Okay. Because Forbidden, it was, it was certainly, a t- like, a, they lived in a tough neighborhood. Not a tough neighborhood, but, like, th- they were experiencing racism. Yes. Um, and then Texas Destiny, there wasn't the level of, no, because there's a kidnapping in every book. So, yes, there was also violence. Mm-hmm. But how much of that is also just kind of like romance reasons too
1: well so in this book we have a miracle pregnancy uh huh because cord was beaten so badly at the beginning of this book that the doctor said oh he won't be able to have kids because of the swelling and the fever and all that stuff but Mm -hmm. then she gets pregnant and that becomes a thing, too, because he knows what it's like to be half white, half Cherokee, and they, they, you know, they, I don't want to say argue, but they have a disagreement, and he's worried because he doesn't know if Anne understands what it's going to be like to, to raise a kid that's like him. And I thought and, that was rea- really realistic, because it's easy to say, well, it's it's my baby. I'll love him. But then he's seen how people react to him. And he's seen that that's not the way the world necessarily works. Mm-hmm. And so I really like that, too. I, I, I mean, I like the realism of this book. It definitely was realistic for what it was. And I guess I, that's the thing is, like, I think I was – their relationship was sweet because i do love when people come together and can make each other better and work with each other's differences but it was it just was really unrelenting and i i I don't know if i was up for an unrelenting book right now
0: yeah You're also much more sensitive to violence than I am. (laughs) Because I think if I was thinking about it, I'd be like, yeah, the beginning is kind of brutal. But I think for you, you would just experience it differently.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Because reading, I'm a lot more sensitive when I read than when I watch things. Mm -hmm. I do think I can watch, like, action movies, and they can be violent. But a lot of times, action... It's just so cartoonish that it's very hard to look at that as true violence. But in a book, when somebody's like brutally beaten or a woman's assaulted, it just feels so much realer because you're hearing their thoughts during it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I do think you're right. I just, when I read, I'm just way more sensitive. And I think that was the thing that was hard for me with this book because it started so brutal and it's hard for me to recover from that.
0: Yeah. I don't want to like that. It was very effective, but I think too, it's like, if you start with, you always like start with the characters as far from the end as possible. And it's like, there isn't anything further. And Mm -hmm. I do think there's something about, there's an interesting idea of gender within this book too, because her father representing like the the patriarchy the ideal and how many women kind of go along and support it like Mm -hmm. annie never does annie from the time she's young it seems like she's been at ends with her parents but her mother supports her father her best friend marries a guy who doesn't like that Annie married Cord and so therefore her best friend is not allowed to speak to her anymore. And it's sort of like a lot of the this is upheld because of women also going along with the these negative things. And Annie wouldn't have been able to be kidnapped at the end of the book other than her mother was there and allowed it. Um and Frank and Ephraim, his Cord's brothers, you know their wives kind of silently go along with it too um it seems like part of it is judith is afraid of cord and so instead of being like well he's my brother so fuck off mm-hmm. uh they just cut him out of their lives um and martha who seems like she pretty much because there's like a huge age difference because frank and ephraim are from the fir- uh their father's first marriage so they're like significantly older than cord you know she had sort of raised raised Cord and his sister since they were babies when their mother passed away. And so I'm still working out what it all means, but I do think that there's something about how these rigid gender roles don't ultimately serve I Cord or Annie. And in the end, they have to come up with their own way of doing things that is separate yeah. and, and create their own Family and their own way of doing of uh, of doing things and that they like share in all of the responsibilities they share in like the hard physical labor and then they share in the. You know, the other tasks as well, like Annie makes some clothes and stuff, but that's also because she like grew up working in a tailor shop, so she knows how to do it. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know. I I find that really interesting, too. I think that's something that's also like in, in a lens to look at it through
1: now are you bummed that I didn't love it
0: no I didn't think you would I know you well enough I think I can guess what you're going to like and what you're not gonna like
1: and and you thought I wouldn't like this because of the violence or
0: I don't know as I was reading it I was sort of like well this is like a slower book and I know that you like a more fast paced book and I get, yeah, the violence. I don't know. There was just something in me that I just thought that it, this wasn't going to be for you, mm-hmm. which is okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Cause I like everything. I mean, especially this book, because it was so close to your heart. It's, it's that thing we get with everybody when they recommend stuff mm-hmm. is you go into it wanting to love it because you want to, you don't want to disappoint people. And also you you want to see you want to see the thing that they love so much. And I and from your description of why you like this book, I get it. I get why you like it so much. But it just didn't connect for me. And that's
0: happens. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. And them having the miracle baby. It's funny like when you read books where you are emotionally does really affect it and and what you think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause part of me is like, what if they didn't get, get pregnant? Cause you see them in like later books and stuff and they only ever have one child. Like he, like the, the baby's a boy, it ends up being like a true miracle baby. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. And it's like, well, I wonder what it like, I think there's this idea of romance of, The baby being the thing that solidifies the love of the characters that they because they are able to they are able to have a child because they love each other so much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a a, like a pretty toxic thing to put out there. I don't think it's obviously it's not true. I think there's a lot of couples that love each other a lot and are infertile or dealing with infertility. And one way has no effect on the other. So, yeah, I've been thinking about that too within romance is this sort of the the idea of like the miracle baby, and how like harmful it must be to a lot of women and how it's um upsetting you know it can be really upsetting, and it can be and sort of like what are what are we putting out there by saying by having this happen
1: and it's also that thing where, well, science and medicine says no. But our heart says yes, and mm-hmm. that's more powerful. Uh, mm, sometimes biologically, it's impossible. But right. that doesn't mean that people don't love each other at all. And it's, it's those signposts. It's those signposts in society that you're supposed to hit, right? You're supposed to have a career. You're supposed to have a marriage. And you're supposed to have babies. Mm-hmm. And that is what a lot of people look at as now you are a fully functioning person in society if you have those three things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it can be harmful because there's people that don't want, maybe don't want any of those, uh, can't have one or two of those. And it does make you feel like an outsider in a way that you shouldn't. It should be, that's your business if you want to have children. Or if you can't have children, that doesn't mean that you're any less... Uh, of of a couple or a person or a marriage, because mm-hmm. a marriage shouldn't be predicated on anything but two people wanting to work together to build a life, and that life can look however they want it. And I think this book, you know, Sands the the Miracle Baby shows that these right. two misfits were able to build a life, communicate with each other, even though it was rough, and get to a point where they could be part of a society on their own terms. So it is when the miracle baby happens, it does feel kind of like a little bit of a sellout move.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, you know, not on their part. Cause obviously they, you know, they, they, they love the fact that they're going to have a baby, but in, in that sense of, well, we've got to give them the baby because this is going to be something that solidifies them.
0: Right. Right. And I think that it's, yeah, you're right. It's like they could have, they could be a full couple without it. I mean, I think there are certain plot points that the baby brings up that I think are really important. That is sort of like what really severs Anne from her family is their reaction to her having a baby. And then sort of Martha seeing them in the barn after they've fought with the family about the baby, you know, realizing that they are a true couple. Mm hmm. And, um, and then she obviously then begins to treat them differently because she knows that about them.
1: And so So, it is, it is important for the story too, because mm -hmm. like, you know, that plus what we were saying earlier, where the reality of having a child, the two of them having a child mirrors his upbringing and his fears. So I think it is important to face those fears in this book.
0: Right. When I think there's a way that also he was not supported as a child, you know, as a, a biracial child, he, he didn't have the support from his family. He didn't have the support from his mother's family because we don't really know what happened to them and how difficult that would have been. And obviously nobody should have a child in order to correct the wrongs of their lives. I think there, that's a a huge problem, but I think that there is an idea that Cord has now like learned and grown and therefore would be able to be a father to his child in the way that his father couldn't be a father to him. Yeah. The other thing about this book that I think that it explores in a way that I have never seen before is like menstruation, (laughs) which is sometimes talked about in books just as just basically like oh she was on the rag for a week so they didn't have sex but it's never like this scene I really love a lot and so she basically like she starts her period in the night and so she has cramps and so you know back then I guess if you didn't have Tylenol like it must have been hell and so she goes out into the rocking chair to try to like move and you know, get some comfort and he comes out naked as Jaybird, but like <laughs> trying to help her and he makes her tea and you know, r- r- really is so sweet during that time and brings her back to bed and puts his hands on her, um, over her uterus so that sh- it'll be like pressure and heat, which is what she needs too, And I don't know. I just really loved the scene because I feel like menstruation is something that people don't talk about. Well, people talk about more now than they did before. But it's, like, something that, like, every woman, most, most women experience every month since the beginning of time. Uh, and that I haven't read another very sweet <laughs> menstruation scene is, like, kind of surprising.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, would you fuck them?
0: mm-hmm i would yes i would too <laughs> both
1: yeah fucking both
0: nice all right should we do goodreads list
1: yeah let's do goodreads
0: so there's a lot of lists there, there's a lot of pages obviously i only picked some so favorite historical western romance novels
1: uh, i could see that but i would say for you not for me
0: mm-hmm best native american romance I haven't I... read a ton, but I guess, and it, it's only one of them is Native American, so I, I don't know if it qualifies. Yeah. But sure.
1: Yeah, this is my yeah. This is this is my first.
0: Yeah, best historical romances, married couples. Okay. <laughs> Romance novels to reread again and again. Yes for me, no for you. Yeah, I mean,
1: maybe I could reread this in a time when I'm. Less vulnerable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, bad Boys Meet the Virgins. He's not a bad boy. People think he's a bad boy, though. Yeah, but he's not. He's very sweet. Um, best self-published historical romance.
1: I mean, I will say it was well-written.
0: hmm King of the Betas, best beta romance hero.
1: I think we agree that the alpha-beta scale no longer holds water.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think he's an alpha, though, because also it's like any time that somebody comes to the house to try to convince and to leave, he just like walks out and is like, well, she'll make up her own mind, what she wants to, to do. And I feel like an alpha would be like, no, no she's mine. Yeah. Stay away from her. And he's not yes. like that. He's like, well, what do you if you want to leave, then leave. Not That's in a true. callous way, but in a sort of like, I don't want to hold you someplace you don't want to be.
1: Yes. And alpha would hold somebody.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. The one and only. Yes, I think they're each other's one and only. Yeah. Love on the Range romance novel set on ranches. Oh, yeah. Pregnant heroines in historical romance. Yeah. Yeah, she's pregnant for like half the book. Dangerous commitments, hero or heroine committed to asylum, gaslighted, or questionable sanity. She's almost committed to an asylum. Yes. Tortured heroes of historical romance.
1: Yeah, I would say... I would say he's tortured. Definitely
0: plain Jane in historical romance. Is she a plain Jane? They, t- it's like, they describe her as being like, not as being plain, but then they're like, she has big gray eyes and a wide mouth. And I'm like, I don't know. That sounds pretty to me, but I think she categorizes herself that way.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if if, if that's how she categorizes herself. Yeah. We'll go with that.
0: Best Book Boyfriends. Yeah, I mean, for
1: all of Cord's faults, I do think at the end of the day, you couldn't find somebody more loyal.
0: Mm-hmm. And kind. Yes. Virgin heroines, alpha males. We've already been through this.
1: He's not alpha. She is a virgin, though.
0: Not a man-whore historical and Western romance.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's not a man whore.
0: (laughs) No, he seems to. He had a girlfriend for a while, and then Anne, and that's kind of the only people he ever refers to. Yeah. Fierce, best romantic heroines with attitude.
1: Yeah, I mean, she definitely sticks up for herself.
0: Best dark and silent hero romances where the hero is freaking scary. Now, I think
1: that's mean because I think so too. That's taking the side of everybody else in this book against him. Like I get the concept. People are scared of him. I think from what we read and how we were able to understand this character, he was not scary to me.
0: Right, He, he was, was dark never and scary. silent.
1: Like I could see him being like dark and silent. I kind of get that because he did speak, but he was very matter of fact a lot of times. But I would not say he's scary.
0: No, and because we're in his point of view pretty early, and we see how like soft he is, it's it's almost harder for us to believe like that people in town think he is scary than the other I way know. around. Um, must love horses. Romances where hero or heroine works with special horses. They yeah. do. That's their job is basically raising and selling horses. I loved it all. As a horse girl, excellent horses.
1: Yeah, that stuff, that that must have been... I was going to say catnip, but what's catnip for horses? Oats?
0: Yeah, carrots, sugar.
1: carrot sugar
0: cubes, yeah. Um, best grumpy hot men of romance. He was a yeah. little grumpy, and the way he, like, would snip at her, I always, I did love, like, their dialogue together because... She never, like, she always thought it was, like, kind of bullshit. So it's she, she never internalized anything, but he would say, like, some funny things to her.
1: mm mm-hmm. uh, As a mar- grump, I I grump recognize
0: grump. Exactly. <laughs> uh, married first romance. Oh, yes. Menstruation and romance novels. Yep. Mistreated heroines.
1: I mean, mistreated by everybody but him.
0: Exactly.
1: That was Um, rough. It was rough seeing her manhandled the way she was.
0: All right, Clayton, what are your tropes?
1: Marriage is punishment. (laughs) I've never seen that in a book before. That was crazy to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was definitely like romance reasons they decided to do that because it it didn't really make sense otherwise.
1: Different worlds. They're from different worlds. Uh, Interracial romance. Angst. I put that as bold capital letters. (laughs) Bad dad. I mean, bad families in general, Mm -hmm. but she had a very bad dad. Western, miracle baby, I guess miracle pregnancy. Um, Heroin nurse's hero back to health. Kidnapping, because she was kidnapped. Erin,
0: what are your tropes? Uh, so my tropes are forced marriage Uh, I've loved you so long because he you find out that Cord has basically been in love with Anne since they were 10 years old Mm -hmm. Uh, interracial marriage family disapproves western romance farm life because there's a lot of just farm life kidnapped Uh, surprise slash uh, miracle baby heroine with a temper Uh, everyone is scared of the hero but the heroine Spinster, because Annie is 28. Uh, Heroin, nurse's hero. Those are my tropes. All right, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Weirdly, this is such a weird.
1: It's not weird. It's just. So, there was a spinoff of Friends called Joey. (laughs) Do you remember this? Yes. Much maligned, canceled after two seasons, and. I like to watch Friends. Friends is like a, it's very basic, but it is one of those shows that I'll watch as like comfort food. And I never saw Joey because I think I was living in Hawaii at the time and didn't really watch much TV. And it's such, it's one of those shows that everybody says was such a bomb and and it was bad. And I was like, well, you know, after I watched episodes, which was Matt LeBlanc's show that, he did in England I really liked episodes it's on Netflix right now did you watch episodes yeah yeah I liked it a lot and I think he's just really good as a comedic actor so it's like I'm gonna try and find Joey so I found Joey and it's fine it's fun it's like he's in it um the girl from Sopranos and I always say her name wrong, Andrea uh Is it De... Drea De mateo Yeah, yeah. Drea De Mateo is in it. She plays his his sister. And she's really funny. It's like it's fine. It's like a good, fine sitcom. So I guess my swoon is find Joey and watch it. <laughs> I guess I you can see think... where my head is right now.
0: I know. It's it's a dark
1: place. <laughs> it's a very dark place. Well, anyway, so Aaron, what has you swooning?
0: Um, I'm not in the dark place that you are, but I feel like it's the same where it's hard. And the book that I read that I loved, I actually swooned about last week, and I should have probably saved it for this week, which is The Wreckage of My Presence by Casey Wilson, which is a super fun book of essays. So if you are looking for something quick to read, I would say do that. And also she reads it. So I bet it's a very good audiobook as well. Um, But something that I found that I really loved is also a podcast called Deep Dive, and it's hosted by uh, June Diane Raphael and Jessica St. Clair, who are kind of like in the friend group with like Casey Wilson. Um, And basically, they just talk every week about a different subject. It sounds very like boring, but they're both like profoundly funny and fucked up people. Um, And it's just a it's a really funny good podcast if you're just looking for a good podcast of just like two people talking about like weird stuff that they do uh and who they are and they're very unapologetically themselves in a way that i find really fun um because they have massive faults and they know it and they just sort of are like well this is me
1: do they ever talk about joey
0: they don't they haven't (laughs) yet but it's only two episodes in so you know we can still suggest it, I guess.
1: If they're talking about Joey in the fifth episode, they've run out of things to talk about.
0: <laughs> Is there a podcast other than this one that has ever talked about Joey? Other than maybe like a friend centric podcast? Which I'm maybe, sure exists. I think so
1: like the D you can get the DVDs for the first season in America, but the second season, I don't the DVDs are only available in like Canada or something. It's what so are they hiding buried. from us? That's what I needed to find out. I needed, what are you hiding? Is this some gem that just got buried because it wasn't as popular as Friends? And, or is Matt LeBlanc disappointed with it? You know, all these things. And it just turned out to be a fine, funny sitcom. It wasn't Friends. And it was a little sad because, you know, Joey's trying to make friends in one of the first episodes. And I'm like, oh, he had all these friends that, He left behind. It does kind of bum you out a little bit. Yeah. I guess it's perfect if you're sad. Find Joey because it's like, remember that show where everybody was such tight-knit friends and they were family, basically? But then you take one of those guys out of there and make him lonely. (laughs) That's (laughs) Joey. And I think that is why it failed, is because people were bummed out.
0: yeah because it's bumming me out (laughs) (laughs) and you're already living pretty bummed out this is I think we need to step away from the Joey I gotta finish it though
1: I just have a the end of this season and an entire second season to find (laughs) Jesus then I'll be through the tunnel
0: Okay, good.
1: So, Aaron, where can they find us?
0: So, you guys have been really excellent about uh, subscribing, rating, reviewing. So, we appreciate that. If, if anybody has it and you have the time, we would love you to do it. Uh, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop um and we have merch in the link below some people we, we get an alert whenever anyone buys anything and so people have been buying up some masks which is great
1: and we're so close to our 300th apple podcast review at least in america oh yeah so if you haven't reviewed just give us a little review a five-star review you don't even have to write anything just star it and I'd love to just see us be over 300 reviews.
0: All right. That's all Clayton wants. And as we've gone over at the end of this episode, Clayton really needs this, guys. Yeah, help help me out. <laughs> all right, everybody. So we'll be ne- back next week with a new book to talk about. Well, we won't talk about the book. We'll let you know what book it is. Um, but happy reading. Bye, everybody. Happy reading.
1: Bye. Do they ever talk about Joey?